0: Well, again, good morning. Please turn with me to the book near, near the end of the Bible, the book of Hebrews, if you would. And we do want to uh, formally... So to speak, begin series of Hebrews chapters one through six. Hebrews chapters one through six. Today I am eager, really pray that God would help us as we look at our specific text, our series being Hebrews one through six. But today we want to look at Hebrews two, one through four. And we want to look at it in light of chapter 1. We want to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, in light of chapter 1. Two weeks ago, you might remember that we kind of did the opposite. We looked at chapter 1 in light of this really important paragraph, which is chapter 2, 1 through 4. So, I don't think I typically say this, but let me ask you to God enabling us to listen really carefully today. This is a really important text, really important paragraph for the church today. So let's give our full attention as as we always do. Let's pray together as you join me in prayer. We'll take take a brief moment of silent prayer. You pray and then I'll pray for us on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation for this book of Hebrews. Lord, please help us in it. In this series of chapters 1 through 6, we thank you for what we looked at as we were reading out of the hymn book earlier from chapter 10 and the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, how he alone can cleanse us from sin. Lord, give us attention to not to to my sermon, but to your word, Lord. Help us to hear and to hear well. Lord, thank you for again for this book. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the only Savior and Lord. We thank you for how this book beautifully reveals Him. Would you help us even in these four verses? Open our eyes, Lord. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We pray that You would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to speak to you mainly, mainly from Hebrews 2, 1-4, through 4, although you could say it's 1, 1 through 1-2, 4. You could say that as well. And uh, the title that I'm going to give this morning is Glory and Danger. Glory and Danger. Now, if you're physically able to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. This whole book is a sermon, and this and the author writes this to these Christians so many years ago and to us. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Thank you. Glory and danger. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. The story is told of a man who, resisting the cost of oats that he fed his mule, decided to gradually substitute sawdust in its diet. He no longer wanted to pay the price of feeding his mule oats, so he substituted sawdust in his diet. Everything went fine for a while, but by the time the mule was satisfied with sawdust, he died. And the same is true spiritually. So Green says this, The changeover from truth to error is sometimes a slow process, and the people don't always know the difference. But before you know it, they are dead. I was just speaking on Friday, had the really, truly, the great privilege to speak to the students at Wayne Christian School. And I was sharing to them as I was speaking uh, first to the lower school chapel and then to the upper school chapel. I said to them that I too uh, had attended a Christian high school in Gastonia. And I spoke to them about this need to persevere. And I, and I said to them, trying to positively encourage them, even though it sounded negative, I said that one of my dear friends not too long ago were talking about how uh, sadly it seemed to us, it seemed to us, the, from the best that we could tell, those that we graduated with uh, back in 1999 from Gaston Christian High School, it was not a large graduating class, but it seems to us that not many are truly following the Lord. And it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. I want us to notice some things here in this text this morning as we think about glory and danger. I want you to look at the text with me. And the first thing that I want us to see, the first thing that I want us to see, dear friends, is this, is that we have a great salvation. We have a great salvation. That's the first thing. And I want you to see these things in the text. Please see these things in the text. In other words, don't take my word for it. He says in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 2, how shall we escape if we neglect what? Such a great salvation. Let me run through these points quickly. That's the first one. We have a great salvation. Number two, listen to me. Number two, we cannot be safe. And when I say safe, I mean eternally safe. We cannot be safe and ignore this great salvation. We cannot be safe and ignore this great salvation. We're just just getting the text here, okay? Verse 3, again, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Don't answer out loud, but what do you think the answer is that he's driving at when he asks this question? What's the answer that he has in mind? as he poses this to the believers there gathered perhaps in a small house church so many years ago. We have a great salvation, friends. And uh, number two, we cannot be safe eternally and disregard or ignore or not pay careful attention to this great salvation. But then number three, number three, please hear this and see an example of why this is true please hear this, hear what I've been saying, what I just said, and then see an example of why this is true. And that's verse 2. See the logic that he uses here. It's a a lesser to greater logic. They would have understood this. This was common. Notice the logic, the lesser to greater logic that he uses In verse 2, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, and then again, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And so we see an example of why this is true. Why what is true? Why it's true that we cannot be safe we cannot be safe if we ignore this great salvation. What is verse 2 about? When he says, for since the message declared by angels... Well, that's uh, well attested by the New Testament. That's that. What is that? That's the law. The message declared by angels, given through angels... Uh, the Old Testament, we might say, was given through two different types of mediators. It was mediated through the prophets... And it was mediated through angels. The lesser, the greater. If this is true, do you see? If that's true, then how much more this? See that? Okay, number four. Just laying the groundwork here. We are safe and happy only if we continue in our great salvation, so consider it a bit more. We are safe and happy only if we continue in our great salvation, so would you consider it a bit more? Consider the the nature of this great salvation. Consider the nature of this great salvation, and that's in 3b. Look in the middle of verse 3. He says, such a great salvation, it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard Verse 3b tells us that this great salvation was first of all preached by the the preacher who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that there in the text? First of all, Jesus preached it. Notice, friends, the nature of this great salvation. It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard, by those who were eyewitnesses. Praise God that we have the uh, uh, apostolic Word, that we have the tradition handed down. Learn more about the nature of this great salvation. Verse 4, While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will, according to His sovereign will. So I wanted you to see the nature of this great salvation in 3b and 4. 3B and 4, dear friends, I'm warning you, in love, not to neglect this great salvation. Number five, notice this phrase, lest we drift away from it. Number five is, lest we drift away from it. Look at verse three, please the author asks this question, how shall we escape if, if we neglect such a great salvation? Uh, friends, we have a great salvation. And what I want you to notice specifically there is he says, how shall we escape if we what? If we neglect. What's another word for that? If we ignore. If we neglect such a great salvation, which is parallel to verse 1. Neglect in verse 3 is very similar to verse 1, lest we drift away from it. I don't know how many of you are into uh, the boats or ships. The author here is using nautical terminology, right? It's a great word. You might be wearing like a nautica shirt. I guess that goes. Nautical terminology. Is talking about ships and boats that drift away. And he says here in verse 2, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Lest our anchor is not dropped securely. And I'm saying drift away parallels neglect. And then I'll just give you number 6. That's what I've got for this foundation. 6 of them. So here's number 6. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. This was pointed out to me, and boy, this is helpful. The author here in 2, 1 through 4 is not concerned, listen to me, with those who have never heard the gospel before. That's a legitimate concern. The Great Commission. That is a legitimate concern, those who have never heard the gospel. No, do you see? Do you see? He's concerned with those who have heard the gospel. He's also not concerned with those who have rejected the gospel. No, he's concerned with those who neglect the gospel. He's not concerned with those who have rejected the gospel. He's concerned with those who, have, who neglect or ignore the gospel. He's not concerned with those who have never heard. He's concerned with those who have heard. And so the payoff, really the payoff, really is verse 1. It's that we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Now look again at verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Great salvation goes hand in hand with verse 1 when it says we must pay much closer attention, you see that in Hebrews 2.1, to what we have heard. What had they heard? They had heard the message about Jesus. They had heard the gospel. They had heard about the great salvation, which is bound up with Jesus. Realize this. Realize that it is not about staying out of trouble. This is something very different than that, than than staying out of trouble. This is the intentional, happy, careful, zealous pursuit of the good we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Look at verse 2 again. Right on the heels of verse 1. Right on the heels of verse 1. For. For. Since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, remember, the lesser to the greater. If that was true... Friends, God has not changed. His Word is His Word is His Word. And He is God, He is God, and He is God. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If that was true, then how much greater the Gospel if you spurn the Gospel? Well, notice the word therefore at the beginning of verse 2. Verse, I'm sorry, verse 1. I was looking at the big two, which is chapter 2. Verse 1, please. Notice verse 1 again. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. But that's not how the verse begins. It says, therefore. Therefore. So please, let's look at verse 5 of chapter 1. Verse 5 of chapter 1. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, verse 7, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says in chapter 1, verse 8, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And, verse 10, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up, Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And I'm just going to stop and remind you that in Hebrews chapter 13, again, He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at verse 13 of chapter 1. And to which of the angels has He ever said, sit at My right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. This is not an angel that we're dealing with here. This is not another prophet, although he is a prophet. This is not just the last and the greatest of the prophets. No, no, no. If you want to define an angel, if you want to know the definition of an angel, then look at verse 14 of chapter 1. What is an angel? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? If you want to know the definition of an angel, we'll look at verse 7. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But then notice verse 8. But of the Son, he says... Your throne, O God, forever and ever. Let me remind you of Hebrews chapter 1, dear friends. Hebrews chapter 1 is about the divinity or the deity of Christ. He is the Son of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, not to mention the whole chapter screams to us beautifully that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God of very God. God in His essence. Not only does Hebrews chapter 1 tell us that He is divine, it also tells us that He is prophet, priest, and king. He is primarily, in Hebrews chapter 1, He is primarily king. But He is also prophet, priest, and king. Please don't forget verse 3 of chapter 1. Don't forget verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. There's no way of salvation for you here this morning apart from Jesus Christ and apart from His cross work. Hebrews 1.3b. 1, 1.3b. 1, After making purification for sins, the blood of Jesus alone can cleanse your sins and cleanse your conscience. And give you forgiveness. And really a brand new life of knowing God. What's the answer to verse 13? And to which of the angels has he ever said? You know the answer right now, don't you? None of them. None of them. Because Psalm 110 Psalm 110, which is Hebrews 1.13. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. What about angels? They're ministering. Angels are great. They're a gift from God to believers. We're not dealing with an angel here. Therefore, therefore, must pay much closer attention the author is not concerned with those who have never heard the gospel he's concerned with those who have heard the gospel all right let's do a two-tiered answer to the so what question first brief tier first brief answer to the so what question crossway church members Attenders, visitors, look at me, look in the Word. Be aware, first of all, that there is such a thing as spiritual or gospel drift. First of all, be aware that there is such a thing as spiritual or gospel drift. Oh, oh, there is such a thing. There is such a thing. I mentioned to you that I was sharing at Wayne Christian School with these middle schoolers and these high schoolers, And trying to look them in the face and tell them not to get on any type of high horse myself or because I've been better than those with whom I graduated. But as I said, I I told them that, that my best friend and I grieved that so many, it seems, so many of our fellow classmates maybe still profess Christ, but did not seem that there was any type of zeal. By the way, there's not two types of Christians. There's not carnal Christians and then those who are on fire for Jesus. In the New Testament, there's only one type of Christian. We're all imperfect. We're all imperfect. Jesus is perfect. But there's only one type of Christian in the New Testament. And that's the type of Christian who follows the Lord. And who loves the Word. And who loves the church. And who says, I need the church. And I need Jesus Christ. And I need the Gospel. And so to be... To be not zealous at all for Christ is to say, okay, maybe you're a Christian, but how does that comport with the New Testament? So first of all, beware that there is such a thing as Gospel or spiritual drift. We need to be careful because I need to be clear with you that I am not saying, boy, I did better. I did better than my friends because look where they are. You know, I see them on Facebook and they're, they're living like hellions. It's all of grace. Who makes you to differ? Why are you different? Who makes you to differ? Grace and grace alone. So my point is not to say that any of us should pat ourselves on the back. Rather, like the Apostle Paul, we should be concerned about our own selves. Christian, are you concerned about your own self? Like the Apostle Paul. It doesn't mean that you have to go the way of Roman Catholicism and lose all assurance. No. Assurance of salvation belongs to the believer. You should have assurance of salvation. What we don't want to have, what we don't want to have is presumption. We don't want to have presumption. Even the apostle Apostle Paul says, I need to run this race. I need to discipline my body so that at the end of the race, I myself will not be disqualified. Oh, God, give us humility. God, give us as a church humility that we would say, God, help me. Listen to this wonderful little very short poem by Robertson McQuilkin. It's called Let Me Get Home Before Dark. Listen to this carefully. Let me get home before dark. I fear the dark specter may come too soon. Death. I fear the dark specter may come too soon. Or do I mean too late? That I should end before I finish. Or finish, but not well. That I should stain your honor, shame your name, grieve your loving heart. Few, they tell me, finish well. Lord, let me get home before dark. He's saying before I die, I don't want to make shipwreck of my faith. I don't want to make shipwreck of my faith before I die. Kent Hughes says this, listen, a slow drift given enough time will carry you to another continent and its dark, uncharted waters. Most people who drift away from the gospel, it's not because they've been engaged in intellectual arguments. It's because of casual disregard take heed that in thinking that you stand you do not fall stay with the simplicity of Christ go back to basics and the basics are amazing the basics are our great salvation the basics are Let's pay closer attention to what we have heard. Stay with the simplicity of Jesus Christ. Okay, now let me me dig deeper into the application. I hope you're with me. I trust that you are. Let me dig deeper. It would do us well to first of all look at this text again. Look at Hebrews 2. Look Look at the text, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels, the law through Moses, the law through Moses, proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, then how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. All right, I jotted down a few more things I want to share with you. Here's one of them. Hearing sermons is risky business. Hearing sermons is risky business. If the preacher is preaching faithfully to the text and faithfully to the gospel, then understood. understand me correctly, it's risky business. The way that God says that we see is through our ears. The way we see is through our ears. And so we should not treat these types of things casually. Again, because of verse 1, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Okay, here's another thing. The law, the law is not and was not bad. No, the law was not and is not bad, but the gospel is not the law. The gospel is as far superior to the law as Jesus is to Moses, as the new covenant is better than the old, as Jesus to the angels. And again, we need to get this. We need to get the, this theology and doctrine Verse 2-2, two, 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 two. for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. And listen, what is he saying? Back then, he's saying back then, when you disobeyed the law, when you transgress the law, every disobedience and every... Do you see? Do you see verse 2? Every one of them. God didn't just say, oh, that's cute or blink it. None, none of them. Every one of them was taken into account. And if that was true, then what about this? What about in the new covenant? What about with the Gospel? What about with this progress of revelation and this greater revelation? The Word who is Jesus Christ. No, the law is not bad. It's good. But the Gospel is not the law. Listen to me. Jesus was very tender towards His people. He is tender towards His people. It is probably important in a message like this to say that if you have truly come to Christ, then you are safe. It does not depend on your ongoing effort. You don't have to get it just right. We are justified by faith alone. Galatians. Galatians. If you started, Paul says to the Galatians, if you started by the Spirit, through faith, then why are you trying to continue in a totally different way? Keep going in the way you started. And please remember, you don't start the Christian life by your works. It's by grace, through faith, by the Spirit. And so I remind you of the argument of Galatians. All you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started by the Spirit, by grace, So keep going that way. We are justified by faith alone. He will keep us. Today, this is not a message about what we need to do per se. As much as it is about staying with the good news of the gospel. It's not about what we need to do per se, but it's about staying with Christ. And let me just remind you, what's the opposite of drifting? Well, it's right there in the text, right? Pay careful attention. The primary focus I want to have in all of this is our great salvation. It's a positive focus. It's the end of verse 3. Our, yes, it's the end of verse 3. Our great salvation. The middle of the first question of verse 3. To see the positive greatness of it. To revel in it. To worship. To realize Hebrews chapter 1. He's the... He's the divine Son of God. He's our great prophet, priest, and king. To remember, as I told you two weeks ago, those three offices by God were separated in the Old Testament. You had your prophets and your priests and your kings, but in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, they're all united into one man, the God-man. He is our great prophet, priest, and king. We want to see the positive. This message is about the positive. Our great salvation. As I told you at the beginning, we have a great salvation, but this is also a warning. This is also a warning. In 2, 1 through 4, and in 1, 1 through 4, you have two massively important paragraphs in the Word of God. In 2, 1 through 4, and in 1, 1 through 4, you have two massively important paragraphs in the Word of God. They are about Jesus and they concern us every bit as much as they concern the original audience. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's not be like the Mormons to just give one example just give one example, let's not be like the Mormons, who say that there was God's revelation way back then, and then there was God's revelation through Jesus, and then since, you know, it keeps progressing, there can be more revelation, and you have Joseph Smith, and so therefore, Jesus, the revelation through Jesus was important, but we're not going to say it was the pinnacle, because they're ultimately going to disagree with Hebrews chapter 1, which says that, The New Testament is not just another collection of books like the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the Word of God. But the New Testament is gathered around the Word, the Word, Jesus Christ. He is the Word. He's not just another great prophet. He is the Word of God, John chapter 1. There is no further revelation. He is the pinnacle. He is it. And so if you turn away from Him, you're left with nothing. You've got nothing else. And if you turn your back on Him and on this great salvation and on the message of the Gospel that we have heard, and I remind you again of chapter, verse 3 of chapter 1, He and He alone made purification for sins. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. He and He alone is raised from the dead. If you turn your back on that, you have nowhere to go. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? That's his question in verse 3, right? You see it there? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Answer, we won't. We won't. So what is this passage? Here's what it is. It's a warning to believers. That's really the simple message. That's what this is. What is this passage? It's a warning to believers. And the danger is in direct correlation to the greatness of the prize. The danger is in direct correlation to the greatness of the reward. And the reward is the Lord Jesus himself. If you spurn him, young people, Older people, if you spurn the message that you've heard, if you are not careful to give diligent attention, pay close attention, then you are left with nothing. You are left with nothing. Let me close with this. I want you to listen. And I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm trying to be an honest preacher. I'm actually done after this. Listen to this. I looked upon a farm one day that once I used to own. The barn had fallen to the ground, the fields were overgrown. The house in which my children grew, where we had lived for years, I turned to see it broken down and brushed aside the tears. I looked upon my soul one day to find it too had grown, with thorns and nettles everywhere, The seeds neglect had sown. The years had passed while I had cared for things of lesser worth. The things of heaven I let go while minding things of earth. To Christ I turned with bitter tears and cried, O Lord, forgive. I have not much time left for thee, not many years to live. The wasted years forever gone, the days I can't recall. If I could live those days again, I'd make him Lord of all. Today's the day of salvation. Today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today. Today. Look to Christ and live. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this preacher who preached this sermon that we call the Book of Hebrews. And thank you for how pastoral he was. And thank you that it is your word. And thank you that your word, your definitive word, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that Jesus, we could even say, is the gospel. Thank you for his propitiation. For his resurrection. Help us, as we were singing earlier, to rest in him. Help us today by your sovereign, beautiful, loving grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.